Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. You better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello, welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. But it's not China that we're going to be talking about today. I want to uh, interview a guy who's just written a book. It just came out like a week or so ago called Missions Abandoned. Uh, He's on the line right now, and we are going to go to him. Hey, Andrew, are you there? Yes. Hey, bro. It's really good to talk with you. Um, you know what? I just uh, was was going on the on uh, the internet searching for a book um, uh, a few days ago, and I came across this uh, book called Missions Abandoned. It popped up on books that I might like. I have no idea why it recommended that. Uh, it must have something to do with my browsing history. Uh, but anyway, it popped up. And uh, it was free to borrow for Amazon, so um, <laughs> I'm sorry if you didn't get any royalties from my purchase. My apologies. Uh, but I, I for, Am- for, for, for Amazon Prime, I actually got to borrow it. And so um, I, it's kind of like this library setup that I, I checked it out and, uh, and I began to read it. Uh, and I really loved it. So I'm glad that I w- I'm able to get the chance to talk with you. Uh, for our audience, could you just introduce uh, who you are really quick so we so we learn a little bit about you? Yeah, so I'm originally from New Zealand, born and raised over there. My wife is uh, from America, so we're currently living in Ohio. Currently, I'm serving in a position where I see global outreach ministries and travel extensively around the world, discipling, teaching, training disciples, and that's my real heartbeat of making disciples who make disciples. So I've got a an amazing ministry going here in, in America where I'm raising up young people particularly to live on mission and sending them out globally all around the world. So exciting to be a part of what God is doing globally. From New Zealand to Ohio, that's a major transition. Uh, what part of New Zealand? I originally uh, was born in Rotorua kind of in the center, and then spent uh, my teenage years and young adult life in Auckland, New Zealand, where my wife and I met. Uh, she came down on a short-term mission trip, so I advocate for short-term mission trips because you never know what you're going to find, and <laughs> my wife found me, so it was a perfect trip. Uh, so she came back to Louisville, sold her house, resigned from her job, moved down, and we got married in New Zealand, lived there about 18 months, and traveled over to we spent some time in savannah georgia then uh, went back home to louisville and now we're up in ohio savannah georgia um that's a, again that you almost need a passport to go that far, far south uh, i mean that's uh exactly. <laughs> i i'm i'm sure that you had uh, some adjustments um them getting used to your accent and you getting used to theirs yeah, well, I always joke that I had to move further north because they can understand me better when I move further north, which was uh, quite good. But, yeah, beautiful time there. And it was, it was a real God thing because my boss from New Zealand plus my wife's boss ended up at the same church. So 
Uh, we arrived not really knowing anyone other than our bosses and just had a beautiful time down there and learned a lot about, yeah, what it means to really enter into this cross-cultural kind of environment. And particularly for me, with my love for missions and serving the poor, it was a, it was a great opportunity to learn and grow. Well, you know, I have um, I, I I've been going through uh, your book for the the last couple days. Um, can can you just give us a little bit of a of a synopsis, like a, a thumbnail sketch of of the this this new book that you you've come out with? Yeah, it's called Missions Abandoned, and in the subtitle is Reestablishing Missions as a Priority in the Individual and the Church, and it's our belief, and I, that I co-authored it with my uncle from New Zealand, Alan Jennings, that missions, discipling, evangelism has slipped far too low on the individual priority list for the believer as well as churches. And oftentimes missions are seen as this add-on ministry. So we really wanted to write a book to encourage people to go, we need to make the Great Commission our focus. So that's the mission that Jesus has given us. But the cornerstone is having obedience and passion, obedience to the commands of Christ, and then having an amazing passion for the lost that will cause us to live out our lives on mission daily. So we we hone in a lot on the idea of are we living as true disciples? And if we... Hello. Yeah, sorry, brother. We dropped you. You were you were just. Uh, I I don't know if it was a bad connection on your side or my side, but uh, we, you were right in the middle of talking about uh, obedience and passion. Okay. You want me just to pick it up from there? Or? <laughs> yeah, please. Just you know, we're we're super relaxed. I, our our podcasts are just basically a coffee table conversation. Uh, so okay, yeah. uh, there, it's just really it's the same as if you and I were were really you know on the phone and talking. Um, we don't we don't do anything in a studio. We don't uh, we basically travel around the world uh, and and do the projects that we're doing just naturally. And uh, so a lot of our podcasts take place in hotel rooms, in taxi cabs, on buses, at bus stops, and over the phone. So uh, it, it, it's super relaxed and, uh, and and no need for any special uh, studio setup. So it's it's pretty raw. So people, if we drop you in a phone conversation, um, it will it will be a part of the podcast. So people are basically just listening to listening in on a conversation between uh, two brothers. Right. Yeah, so uh, you were you were just sharing that you know the cornerstone uh, that you're you're promoting through this this book that you've put out mission uh, missions abandoned is that uh, uh, that we are called to obedience and passion and you were saying obedience to the command of Christ and passion for the lost which you know I I think it uh, uh, here here's one of the things I I, I want to ask I mean what what if you don't really have passion for the lost. Um, you know, hey, I can watch a video. I can be moved. I can feel sorry for the poor-looking kids on a on a uh, an overhead projection that some sappy missionary brings into the church. But uh, you know, here's my few dollars. I'm going to give to that. Isn't that enough? Right. And when you look at the scriptures, I mean, from table of contents to the maps in the back, God's a global God, and He's a God of compassion and love and grace and. You know, we need to have obedience that overflows from that strong connection to Jesus. You know, when you look at, I mean, even in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Great Commission is spoken there, that we are called to go and proclaim his goodness, his love, 
you know, his goodness each and every day. And the, the most important thing, though, is we need to be connected to Jesus to be effective for Jesus. You know, and, and sometimes it's self-evaluating ourselves of going, I was rescued from something, for something. I was rescued to help others be rescued and call people out of darkness into Jesus' wonderful light. And that doesn't mean, yeah, we have to go overseas and become a full-time missionary. It can be in our local community. It can be to our neighbors just sharing God's love by being his hands and feet. You know, Jesus was the perfect example and the epitome of servant leadership when he gave his life selfishly for you and I. Yeah, right now, um, I, I'm, I apologize, by the way, um, as an American, as an American, I, I was born and raised in the Midwest, uh, so kind of in the in the belt where you're at right now, you must be absolutely inundated with like political uh, commercials and talk and speech every five minutes. But I'm, I'm also uh, seeing that, you know, right now during this kind of uh, political climate in the U.S., you have uh, – it's almost all-consuming in the way that you know missions would take a back seat. Uh, and, and, when I'm, and when I'm talking about missions, of course, you, you talk about you know, family, uh, your, your, your local areas, and then you, you use a graph where you go more uh, globally towards the, the outer part portions. What what would be you what what would be your um, uh, feelings for someone that is in your church there in Ohio and they say you know what we have so much that we need to do in our country first we have so many broken things in our nation that we need to focus on first before we start even thinking about globally. Yes, and that's a question I get asked a lot. You know, and, and I think sometimes meism kills ministry and kills missions because we get so absorbed in just our own little bubble without remembering, you know, that we're part of the global community around us. And one of the things I always remind people is the Great Commission isn't an either or option. It's not either we serve locally or globally. It's a both and. And so it's about finding what is my mission field. You know, for some of us, it, it is at home that we are down the hallway. Maybe we have a lost kid or a family member who's not yet walking with Jesus. Maybe for us, it's going, yeah, I need to serve in my local community. There's a, a local community center or an organization that just resonates with my heart. Or it may be, yeah, I want to go and use my life or my talents, my gifts and abilities to further our fields, you know, globally or nationally to be a part of just helping people find and follow Jesus. So the important thing is not going, yeah, it's wrong to serve locally or globally. It's it's both and, and we need to encourage everyone to find their own individual mission field and live there and do it to the best of their ability. Now, uh, right now, uh, are are you are are you serving in a in a local church, or are you mainly uh, on the field balancing around from from nation to nation? No, I'm in a local church. So currently, I have kind of three main roles. I oversee our next gen ministry, so birth to college age. Then I take um, that ministry, and I have five staff members under me for that, and then I oversee our spiritual formation ministry of our church, and then global is the third aspect of my job. So I'm in the local church, but I travel from time to time globally and meeting with my partners. 
Okay, because one of the things that I found really interesting, which is, I mean, it's a great insight from, um, you know, the inside of a church. You know, I there there's usually, um, I, I think, a bit of a disconnect sometimes between uh, those that work in a local church and then those that are more global. The global people, of course, want the those that are more locally focused to become globally focused. So that's always kind of a, a, a tug of war there. And then the, the local church also trying to focus on the needs of their community. And, um, and, and so there's, there's always this, this balance, especially when mission organizations uh, come in contact with churches. But you said something that I thought was very interesting in your book. And, and I would like to hear more about your thoughts on that. It said you put uh, too many churches have an imbalance in their activity with too much on worship only and not on the overflowing of the heart of worship. What, what was, what, what, could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, what happens sometimes in the church is we become so focused on just worship. You know, many churches today just becoming places of worship. But, and worship must be the cornerstone of every church's activity. But it must lead to just turning up for an hour a week, praising God, giving him the glory, and then joining a small group. It's got to be more. It's got to be an overflow. And sometimes churches are guilty of kind of inward focus. Let's get everyone to come to us, whereas we should be sending people. And there's a great quote from J.D. Greer where he talks about for his church, it's not the seating capacity that matters. It's the sending capacity. And we should always be sending our best and our brightest out to plant churches, to grow, go cross-culturally, to advance the kingdom in whatever way possible. And so it's about an overflow of going, yeah, let's train disciples through worship, through teaching, through training, through mobilizing to then go out and live on mission. Being a a pastor in a local church, do you do you ever come across you know individuals that that listen to you talk about missions, that listen to you, uh, you know, share about the the calling, uh, you know, both domestically and internationally, and then they they come up to you and they, they say, you know, I I've been having dreams, I've been reading books, I'm really moved, I'm so moved, you don't even know how moved I am, but I just don't know what my calling is. Do you, I mean, do you, do you do you have conversations with people? And what what do you say to individuals that say, you know, I, I just don't know what my calling is, or I I really have a heart for the people in India, um, but I I I just I've been just just been praying about it, and you know, seeing where he leads me. And, and I, I've had conversations like that, and sometimes I feel like they almost feel satisfied in having the desire, and that desire is enough, and that they should be patted on the back for the desire. But when they come and they say, you know, I have the desire, I've been praying about it, I don't know what I should do, what what, what do you share with them? Yeah, one of the things that I've developed in our church is a ministry called MIT for this very reason. It stands for Missionaries in Training, and it's really helping people discover their calling and their purpose while living on mission with Jesus. And it's been having great success at our church. I've got about 19 high school and college-age students who are asking those very questions. And so I have a whole ministry developed, and there's a website you can check out, mitglobal.org, that kind of explains what we teach, how we train people, and how we equip them. Because it's very difficult for the average person in the pew to get to the field if they have that burning passion. 
And so that's one of my real heartbeats is going, how do I equip, train and mobilize as many people as possible? And a lot of people ask this question, well, where am I going to end up? Or what am I going to do? What is God's will for my life? And I need to remind them that the first important thing is that connection to Jesus. You know, living in God's will where he has you. And as we spend time with him, we grow in his love and his knowledge through spending time in prayer and worship and reading. Then we start to get our passions aligning with his passions and our agenda matching up with his agenda. And so it's really a journey and a process of just spending time with God, learning as much as you can and going, what is my story? What is, how has God wired me, shaped me, given me these unique talents, gifts and abilities, and how can I use them going forward in my life? Because God has made us all unique. We read in Ephesians 2.10, you know, we're God's handiwork where his masterpiece which he's created us to do good works in advance and so it's going how do we live out that calling by knowing what his will is for us each and every day by getting to know him in a deeper and fuller way what what was your um genesis what what was what was when was the first time that you felt really a desire a call to kind of step outside of your comfort zone uh to get involved with global missions when i was a young child in new zealand one of the biggest organizations is world vision helping the needy and the vulnerable the poor around the world and so as a kid i used to do the 40 hour famine where we wouldn't eat for 40 hours We'd drink um, juice and stay hydrated, but we would raise money for the poor um, and vulnerable through not eating for 40 hours. And so I used to do that as a kid uh, right from about age seven onwards. And so I've always had this desire to help those less fortunate than me. I look at the blessings of life around me, and that led into a part-time job working with World Vision New Zealand. And that just kind of lit the fuse. Um, when I was in my early 20s, got to travel to Cambodia uh, and see face-to-face the poverty of spirit and soul, the poverty of existence, but the poverty of hope as well. And what a yeah, few dollars can truly do to change someone's life, but not only give them physical healing, bring spiritual healing at the same time. Since since your first trip to Cambodia and and you know you saw that you were you were moved by that, um, were what was what was your the the spiritual uh, I, I I hate to use spiritual journey because it sounds so new ageish and cheesy, but I mean what right. what what is the, what was the kind of the the spiritual impact while while you were while you were there I mean in what way did that did that did that pull you away from uh, your homeland of New Zealand? Did that did that forever um, put something into you that you wanted to be in the areas that were the most unreached? Or um, did, did you feel more of a desire to go back to the area where you came from to, to encourage others? Or was it a, was it a both end? It was, it was kind of a both end because when I was on the trip, I was training to be a school teacher. And while I was on the field, it really awakened a yearning to do ministry. And I'd always thought ministry would be great. And one time I came back from the trip uh, and spoke at a church. And the senior minister came up and said, I want you to be my youth pastor one day. 
And I'd never really thought about seriously considered going into full-time ministry. Thought it'd be a great idea at some point, maybe. But that really kind of started the trajectory. So I ended up in youth ministry, uh, working with high school students and college-age students, and, and loved that and would continually, you know, talk about mission trips, talk about opportunities, how we need to be serving our local community, trying to push the envelope and push people's boundaries to go, don't just think about your world, but think about the world around you as well. And that's when I eventually ended up in the States following our senior minister. But it wasn't until I was in seminary that I really felt the calling to get out of youth ministry and do something, you know, back maybe in missions and outreach. And when I got the job that I'm currently in now, it was geared around local and global outreach. So it's been great because that's my burning passion. That's my heartbeat of going, how do we equip, train and mobilize others to live on mission? And through me teaching and equipping and being all around the world, it's just magnified my desire to see more people really become not just comfortable, convenient Christians, but live a life as devoted disciples, which Jesus has called us to do. Because when you go cross-culturally into areas like India, Thailand, Nepal, Zimbabwe, you see these authentic disciples, whereas, you know, sometimes the Church of America, we can just get complacent with who we are and our relationships God. Yeah, I'm actually calling you from China right now, where we are. Just, we have just seen not just revivals. Revivals are really cool to talk about, but this this amazing passion to go out and and reach those that are in the same situation that China was just a couple generations ago. Meaning that, um, you know, there were so many people in China that were living in darkness without any knowledge of the Savior who loved them so dearly. So they have this overwhelming desire now to take these revival fires that. Experiencing in China, into other areas of the world that are considered to be unreached, which is really cool considering the 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 lack of resources coming from the Western Church. So it's almost like this new um, uh, body of believers that God is raising up, and and it's filling this void that's been left by um, complacent, uh, comfortable uh, Christians. And one of the things that I love about your the the reading this book that you've written is that you do put so much in, of an emphasis on uh, passion and and the joy of fulfillment and the 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 uh, the excitement of fulfilling your your destiny or your calling uh, fulfilling the mission that that Christ has given us because I think that so many times missions can be guilt driven. Um, I mean, uh, I, I think about uh, the people that are in your area of of Ohio. Um, I, I see my family, uh, you know, living right next door in Indiana. Um, I, they're so incredibly busy. I mean, you're talking about soccer moms and jobs and parent teacher meetings. And, and, and if, if they hear something like this, they're, they're moved maybe for a moment, you know, they're captured for a moment in their church and their congregation when, when missions is brought up. But I can see that there, there's this feeling of, dude, are you just giving me another 
thing to feel guilty about what I'm not doing. You know, I, I have so many responsibilities already. I'm already, I'm not following my diet plan like I should. I already feel guilty for gaining weight. I already feel guilty for spending uh, too much time on Facebook and not enough on my taxes. I already feel guilty about um, not, you know, fulfilling all the roles that I need to do on, on my job. And now you're giving me, you know, spiritual guilt, uh, something else to feel guilty about, something else I'm not doing, something else I'm not a part of, which is this global idea of missions. But it wasn't guilt that I found in your book. It was more about passion and desire and about the things that really matter in life and about um, and in many ways I, I mean I've seen missions from my point of view as being almost a bit selfish um, because by doing what I feel God has called us to do we we feel more fulfilled in walking in that path and that is an amazing feeling to know that this is where I'm supposed to be. This is why I was designed. This is why I have been brought to God. And and I love what you said. You you quoted John Piper in your book, which is a quote I, I say all the time. Um, John Piper said, you only have three choices when it comes to missions. Go, send, or disobey. And uh, and I just I thought that was I, I, I love that quote and, I'm, and and I think that I just kept connecting with those quotes that you had in your book as I was reading it along the way. Uh, another thing that you put, which I thought was was quite interesting, you said that that um, uh, you you did a quote by Ralph Winter and you said the Bible is not the basis of missions. Missions is the basis of the Bible. And then you later said that God is a missionary God. And I, I've heard that said before that, you know, that maybe, maybe the church doesn't have a mission, but it's the mission that has a church. Uh, what exactly uh, do, you, do you mean by that? What is what is what is the meaning of, you know, uh, uh, you know, God is a missionary God? Yeah, I mean, when you look again, you know, through the Old Testament, he's wanting his glory declared. You know, he's using the nation of Israel to be his people, to declare his glory. And when we get to Jesus in the New Testament, he came to seek and save that which was lost. You know, and I believe that when you look at Jesus' ministry, you know, from beginning to end, so Matthew 4.19, Jesus calls the disciples. He says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. At the end of Jesus' ministry, Matthew 28.19, he said, go and make disciples of the nations. And so the call is that the church is to be a disciple-making movement, living on mission to declare God's glory locally and globally in the world around them. Because there's no greater calling, I believe, than redemption of mankind back to a loving Father. And that's what every disciple is called to do, that we have saved ultimately to help others be saved in their total darkness and come into Jesus' wonderful light. And, you know, you said an interesting phrase uh, earlier about priorities, you know, and sometimes it's going, what is a church's priority? Is it just to bring people in or is it to send them out? And that's what I believe, you know, the mission that God gave the church was the Great Commission because we're plan A, there is no plan B to make Jesus' name known. You know, one of my favorite passages is uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 13 to 15, where Paul tells us, you know, if everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, but how can they call if they haven't heard and if 
we don't preach and people don't hear and if we're not sent then obviously we're not going to declare God's glory wherever we go so God is ascending God and he's looking for people to create openness really to abandon the lives they're living and to arrange your lives for openness to be used by God in a mighty way but again it comes back to that whole priority list of well I've got this I've got this I've got this and sadly today I think in the church We've got people who just make God a part of their lives rather than God is the center and the focus of their lives. Thank you so much, Andrew, for um, agreeing to spend time with us and share just your heart and also what is in this book. Again, the book is called Missions Abandoned, Reestablishing Missions as a Priority in Our Lives and Churches by Andrew G. Uh, Andrew, if people want to know more about you, they want to know more about the missions that you're involved in, maybe they're in the Ohio area or maybe they're, they're in an area that you're focused on, how can they get more information about you and the ministry that that you're working with? Yeah, the best way would probably be on our website um, that I've developed. It's called mitglobal.org. Uh, then they can email me, learn a little bit more about me and my desire to multiply disciples globally. Uh, so that's a great opportunity. Um, or if they pick up the book, we've got our information in that as well. Okay, great. And I love – I just typed in mitglobal.org. I didn't even know that this was your – this this did not pop up uh, for uh, any of the any of the book stuff that I was researching on you. But I just typed it in, and I love the photo on the front page. It's the, the, West, it's the Great Wall of China. So um, be- <laughs> beautiful aesthetics sitting right there. That was an immediate you're, – you're plucking my heartstrings when you put up stuff about China. Thank you so much, Andrew, for joining us. I really appreciate it, brother. Thank you so much for the chance. God bless you. So that was uh, Andrew. I would highly recommend um, that book. And if you are able to go to um, mitglobal.org, again, that's mitglobal.org. Um, they have the missionaries in training, uh, multiplying disciples globally. And there are two ways to enter into the website, which I think is a great way to do it. One is you say, I'm an individual. And the other way you say that I am a church or we are a church, I guess would be the more appropriate way to say it. And that's how they put it on their website as well. Um, and you enter into the website by, by going that uh, route by one of those two ways. Um, anyway, and if you get the chance to get um, the this book on missions, uh, Missions Abandoned, Reestablishing Missions as a Priority in Our Lives and Churches, you can buy it, of course, on Amazon. Um, and I know that if you have Amazon Priority – or I'm sorry, Amazon Prime, which which I have just because I like to watch the movies and the documentaries. I'll say documentaries to make myself sound more holy. Um, but uh, if you have Amazon Prime, you can actually borrow it for free, um, which is the way that I read the book. I read it for free by borrowing it. There's, they have this system that's kind of like a library um, where you can check in books and then check them back just like, just like a library. Um, except you don't have late fees, which I, I was – I'm so glad we don't have Blockbuster anymore. Uh, both at the library as a kid, I always had fines. Um, I, I had to switch libraries. So uh, I, I lived in a really small town or I lived close to a really small town. And when I would run up the fines for –
for library fees because I never returned books on time and I often lost them. I was so irresponsible. Still, I am irresponsible. You can ask my wife and our accounting when it comes to our receipts. My receipts are horrible. And then with Blockbuster, I never returned the videos on time. I I paid more to them in in fees um, than uh, than I think I paid in ever 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 paid in movie rental. Anyway. You don't have to do that if you have Amazon Prime and you borrow this book, Missions Abandoned, for free. Or you can buy it. You can buy it uh, for iBooks or uh, at Amazon.com. Thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Uh, I pray that this was an encouragement for you. I pray that listening to Andrew and his heart and this awesome book that he just came out with is something that um, you will look more into. Thank you so much. God bless you. Hey, my name is Eugene Bach, and it's that time of year again, Christmas, our favorite time of the year. But let me ask you a question. If your home didn't have a Christmas tree, your children didn't have stockings hanging by the fireplace, there were no songs about roasting chestnuts, no images of one-horse open sleighs, no special ham, no shopping mall Santa Clauses, and no holiday greeting from your neighbor. Would Christmas remain just as special, removing all those memories, all those things that we imprint in our mind as the meaning of Christmas? If we take away all of the tinsel, what meaning does Christmas have for you? Come and explore the meaning of Christmas from the eyes of a persecuted Christian. Follow the Chinese underground church in a special Christmas book that we have just put out. Read stories from Chinese believers who have spent their Christmas in prison and read for the very first time Brother Yun's memory of being in prison for the very first time. Let the power of Jesus' birth come alive in your life this Christmas with this book. It's not a normal book. But it's one that you can share with your friends and your family just by putting it on your coffee table or on the main reception area when you walk in through the door. It is a conversation piece. You see, instead of just being a book with full of different stories, this is an amazing, marvelous picture book of the beautiful sceneries inside of China. And each page not only has these big, beautiful pictures, but they also have amazing stories, each one of them that can be read in less than a couple minutes. Do you work in an office or a reception area of a dental clinic or maybe a, a hospital? Then put this book right out there for the reading material for your guests and see their reaction. For the very first time, we are also including a CD that has songs that you have never heard before coming from Chinese Christians. We basically had an American idol, if you will, for Chinese underground house church Christians where literally we flew them into one location from all over China and we recorded them as they sing some of the most beautiful songs that they sing in China during Christmas time. This book can be yours for 40 US dollars. It's a donation or more. Every single penny will go to help Children in Iraq for this Christmas. So it's a double whammy. It's a, it's a book that will um, bless you, I'm sure of it, 
It will also bless those that are around you that are guests and, and it's just a great conversational piece. And every dollar that you donate for this book goes to children in Iraq for this Christmas. Thank you and God bless.